A situation on the inside dictates how we react and behave on the outside. And this is something the Bible talks about a lot. So back in the Old Testament book of Samuel, um, as the prophet Samuel, he's looking for the next king of Israel. And he's presented with these strong, good-looking and capable brothers. They look the part. And each brother he sees, he thinks, yes, this is the one. But God has of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. 
and know some people like that at my house as well. But Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrite. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Jesus said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth from the, uh, of the mouth from the heart, and these Excuse me, let me just read that sentence again. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. words. You know, this, this passage starts with um, the Pharisees, as, the, as you will often find throughout the Gospels, they are around just trying to find fault with Jesus and his disciples. You know, it's something we see kind of on a number of occasions, but Jesus is always one step ahead. He knows what the Pharisees are up to. He knows their game, and he sees actually what's going on inside them. And as Jesus explains himself to the crowd, it's Peter who still doesn't get it. Last week I talked about Jesus walking on water and calling Peter out to him. This kind of amazing mo a moment of faith and of trust. But in this passage, Peter is on the end of a strong answer from Jesus. I don't know if you spotted it there. You know, perhaps, perhaps if we have this kind of model of an idea of Jesus in our head as meek and mild, this doesn't really sound like Jesus in this passage doesn't really sound like something he would say at all. So Peter, he asks Jesus to explain what he's saying again. And Jesus replies in what, you know, I'm sure was a very calm, gentle, pastoral voice. Are you still so dull? In other words, are you so stupid that you still don't get it? Do you still not get what I'm interested in? And, you know, here he's addressing Peter and the disciples as much as the Pharisees and the crowd that have gathered around. Now, it's how many times do I have to explain this to you? You know, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that what really counted was what was going on on the inside, not some outward action that ultimately meant nothing. 
You know, Jesus had got pretty exasperated with the Pharisees, constantly trying to look good when what really mattered was what they were doing on the inside. What they were doing when no one was looking. And so I believe, you know, if, if, we, if we want to do life well, we, it needs to start from the inside out. You know, what Jesus was not interested in is what was on the outside, what we look like. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us spend far too much time and energy thinking about these kind of things. You know, thinking about what clothes we might wear or does my hair look good? How does my life look like on social media? But God sees what's in our hearts. And I think so often we forget about our hearts because we care too much about what's going on on the outside. That is, until something happens. I just want to take an example. If you can imagine your life being like a full glass of water. Looks good. Until something happens and something shakes it, and it's not so full anymore, is it? And every, every time that happens, something shakes us, and we're a little less secure in who we are. We're a little less full. We need to be aware of those things and those situations. You know, when we get sick, when we get tired, or we're just a bit grumpy, or it's just a bit too hot, or a bit too cold in a couple of months' time. And everything comes spilling out. Our anger. You know, perhaps someone cuts you up on the road when you're driving, or you're cycling, or whatever. Or your pride when someone speaks out against you at work or in, in the home. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, what is really going on in our hearts? And I love the way that verse 17 is phrased in the message um, paraphrase of the Bible. It says this, what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. I like the rhyme, um, but it's, I think it's really helpful. What, what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. In other words, what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so it has to start from the inside out. You know, the reality is, whether we, uh, whether we like it or not, what is in our hearts will eventually come out. And that might be good, or that might be bad. Verse 18 says this, that the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. These are what make us unclean eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. And you know, if we're honest, if it comes down to having a bad thought or an evil thought, then we're, we all fall at the first hurdle. So how do we ensure what's in our hearts is good? You know, we can't just put in place a bunch of rituals like the Pharisees. Only God can really change our hearts. And so it needs to start with God himself. And if you've been around the church for a while, you might have heard this kind of phrase. You know, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. So the Pharisees were constantly trying to catch Jesus out. They were trying to pick fault with how he or disciples acted. And on, on that note, we, we need to be aware of, of that in our own lives as well. You know, we, if we're finding fault with other people for different things that are going on, so often that's because of things going on in our own lives rather than what's going on in other people's. But you see, if, if they hadn't got enough rules and regulations, they 
created a whole bunch of extra rules and regulations that they c only they could really keep. And they could only really keep because of their own wealth and because of their own way of living. They had these distractions that had distracted them from keeping the main thing, the main thing. So in this case, the Pharisees had spent so long worrying about what they did and didn't eat that they'd forgotten why they did it. And one such practice, and this is what Jesus talks about, was the Corban vow. I should point out that this has nothing to do with a certain bearded politician in modern-day Britain. It's Corban as opposed to Corbyn, just to make it very clear. But the purpose of the Corban vow was to give money to the temple, to give money to God, in order to avoid looking out for their own family members who might be going, out for a, going through a hard time. So not only was it immensely cruel, but it also was designed to make these Pharisees look good. The Pharisees would often do good things in order that they didn't have to do the right things. From the outside, it looked good. And I think we too need to be careful not to let other good things distract us from doing the right things in our life. You know, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He answered like this. And again, the Pharisees were trying to catch him out. He says this, and it's recorded in Matthew 22. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Or if we, if we put it a bit simpler, you know, that's helpful for me. Love God and love others. So if you're wondering what the main thing is, that is the main thing. Keep loving God and keep loving others. You know, the Pharisees, by contrast, were so caught up in rules that they had forgotten to love. And I think we're all in danger of that at times. And I love this quote from the writer Bob Goff. He says, we may be known for our opinions, but we will be remembered for our love. You know, that's what really counts. I want to be remembered for how I have loved people, not for having excellent opinions on as many things as I could have, or particular rules for living in a particular way. You know, in our lives, there are things that stop us from simply following Jesus. And some of those things can be really good things. And so as followers of Jesus, we need to keep on keeping the main thing, the main thing, loving God, loving others. You know, at Riverside, we talk about six things that can help us live life really well as followers of Jesus. And, and again, just keeping that main thing, the main thing. I'm just going to very quickly talk about those now. The first one is... We find, you know, engaging with the Bible daily is such a helpful thing to do. It starts our day off in the right way or ends the day off. It's a fantastic space just to hear what God is saying, to help us to say yes to him every day. And then we have an opportunity to put that in practice through the day. The second thing is being part of a weekend service. I know I do a whole lot better when I'm around other people. When we worship, we get to engage with God. We sing and hear um, truths that we've been singing about from the beginning of creation and how we've all been redeemed. You know, we can engage with the Bible together 
and unpack what it means together. We get to pray for each other, and we'll do that shortly. And we get to learn from different people, from different ages, different cultures, and that is a wonderful thing. We're also being part of a small group. You know, it's great coming here on a Sunday, but actually it's really helpful to go deeper with a a group of people, to connect with others and to grow in faith together, to explore the Bible, to, to get to know each other, to pray for each other and support each other through life, whatever life throws at us. And I know that when people um, are going through a tough time at Riverside, they do a whole lot better when they are part of a small group. You know, a a next thing, if you're not part of a small group, very quickly, there's a small group board at the back there. You can go on the website or come and chat to me and we can help you find a group that works for you. The next thing is around giving generously, giving our time and our money generously. You know, giving, I think, is vital for discipleship. It's one of the most tangible ways that we can obey God and the Bible. But also, by giving our time and our money, it shows what is most important to us. And the last thing is serving wholeheartedly as part of a team. You know, there's so many different ways that we can get involved at Riverside. But it's also, you know, rather than... It it helps us to make things run, but it also is one of the best ways to connect with other people. And the final thing is around engaging in community. You know, we talk about everyone, every day, everywhere, taking our faith into our workplaces, our streets, places of study, showing people that there is a God who loves them. So those are six really tangible ways we can keep on keeping the main thing, the main thing. But as we do all this, I think we also need to make sure that we're looking after ourselves. We need to guard our hearts. You know, we've read verse 18 already, but we, it says that everything that, is, everything that comes out of a person's mouth comes from the heart. And so we need to look after our hearts. Proverbs 4 verse 23 follows this theme. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, everything we do flows from how well we are looking after our hearts. And so I I want to ask us the question this morning, are we in relationships with others where people are asking us, how are we really doing? How is your heart? How are you doing in your relationships with other people? You know, if if you're not in that kind of relationship, I'd like to suggest that We need to get better at doing this. I know I do as well. We need to find people that will speak into our lives to give them permission to ask those kind of questions. And you know what? I think we're kind of scared of asking people sometimes, but I think from my experience, people feel honored to have been asked in the first place. And this could be as part of a small group as I was just talking about. It could be a tri-group where you get together with one or two other people just as simple as that, someone, people to ask some questions and to pray for you as well. Or it could just be someone that you catch up with over a drink or a meal every now and again. Now in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul talks about our sinful nature and he presents a list really similar to the one we've just looked at. But after doing that, he lists the counterpoint to this sinful nature. And that is the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control. And when we're living close to God, those are the things that we will see in ourselves and in other people as well. These are the kind of things that will demonstrate when our hearts are right. When we are loving God first and loving others second. You know, this is what it's all about. And so if we are to be full of these things, we need to be changed from the inside out. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this, and this is from uh, the Vineyard Values book. It's a great little book that just talks about some of the story and some of the things that we, uh, we, we love in the Vineyard. And it says this, In the Vineyard, we believe that God works often from the inside out. Not demanding new moral character overnight, but rather gripping our hearts and changing our desires to his own. It's not demanding new moral character overnight, but he would rather grip our hearts and change our desires to his own. As we enter into his presence, you know, we are are people of the spirit, and as we experience more of who he is, As our hearts are gripped by him, our desires will also change to his own. You know, we often say that every good thing begins in his presence. And in a moment, we want to give um, some space to experience his presence with us. But you know, this morning, I I believe that, you know, as I was preparing for this, I I, I just sensed that he wants to, to change us, to transform us, to heal us. Then there are things that, that we've kind of ignored for far too long. And they may be physical things, but I think for some of those things, it's hurts from the past that we've just let linger for too long. I believe he wants to speak words of life over us and into us to make us more like him and to release us into what he has for us because there is a brilliant future for all of us. You know, as we align ourselves with what he wants to do, that grip of sinful nature will slip away. And for many of us, what goes on in the private, in the quiet, in the darkness, you know, those are the things that, that, those are the things that offend God, but they also, actually, they can be brought into the light and be redeemed and healed. And that grip of those things can, be slip, can slip away. And so we want to give him permission to move. We want him to change us from the inside out. And to change us in ways that we cannot change ourselves. So I just want to invite you to stand, if you're able to. And very simply, we're just going to wait. And, you know, one of the oldest prayers in the church is just three words. And that's, come Holy Spirit. And we just want to invite his presence to come and meet be with us. He's been here already as we've worshipped, as we've listened to what he has to say to us. But we come expectantly because he wants to change us. You know, he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us far too much to let us stay that way. So Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence. We say, come, Holy Spirit. As you're standing there, you may just want to hold out your hands and just receive what he has for you, just like receiving a gift on Christmas morning. Come, 
I'm just going to invite um, Pete and Ali and Alarine. I don't know whether... I just ask them just to, to see what the Lord might have to say to us this morning. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just going to share a couple of yeah. things now. Um, I had... It's interesting because actually Rob's really echoed a lot of this, but there is a... Just, just remain with your eyes closed and just waiting on the Lord. There's an invitation here. It's an invitation to intimacy. And I felt the Lord saying, I'm not, he's not forcing his way in. He will only go as far as we allow him to go. So I felt there was an invitation for us to, those of us who want to say, I'm willing to be made willing. I'm willing to have my heart changed to want the things that you want. And that is a prayer that the Spirit of God loves. He loves to be invited in. And it doesn't matter where you are right now, whether you feel a great place or not, but he, there is an invitation. The Holy Spirit says, come, you are welcome, you are loved, you are accepted. And I want to lavish my love upon you. I want to be with you. That's what, that's the joy of his heart, is to be with his children in relationship. Um, I was praying for today, and um, God gave me two scriptures. Um, the first is from Ephesians 4, verse 32, and it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted." forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I felt like God was saying um, a husband and wife relationship um, is being defined at the moment by somebody holding on to stuff from the past, not being able to move on or forgiving maybe past slights or miscommunications, impatience. Um, maybe there's a loss of love and some bitterness. And I just felt God was encouraging you today to just let go of that. And if you change from the inside and be patient and kind and tender-hearted, he'll restore your relationship. And the other um, word that I had was, um, I felt that someone is waiting for life to start. Perhaps you're waiting to get to heaven before you feel that you can enjoy the, the life that, and the happiness and joy that God has given you. And... Um, I was reading in Nehemiah, the people of Israel had heard the law of God that day and they understood it. And Nehemiah told them that it was good to enjoy the things that they had. And he said to them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I just felt like God wanted to say that you can enjoy those things. And as you find joy in your life here, God will give you strength. So just um, trust God. I just had a picture last night, and I think it's for everyone in this room. And it was a picture of a silver spoon. And I, I obviously thought over it, and I recognized that I, like all of you here who say they're a Christian, are part of a royal priesthood. And I believe God wants to give us all a silver spoon. And I believe that spoon is to be used to eat the things that God gives us. And I was, I was, I was thinking about my daughter, or one of them, um, how she never used a spoon. She just used her hand, and she just get in there. But I, I, just, <laughs> I just had a sense that um, 
you know, the Lord wants to give us good things. And we're talking about the inside out here. Um, what we put in our hearts is what makes us. So it's about really taking on those real good things. So please, I, I, I beg you to take that silver spoon. And thank you, Lord, that you are a God that just gives good things to us, to your children. And thank you, Lord, that we are part of a royal priesthood. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Sharon. I, 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 just, I just feel like Alloreen was saying, there is an invitation for each one of us um, to receive this morning. And so that might just be where you are right now. But I think for some of us, there are some specific things that he wants to do in our lives this morning. And, um, and, and I think what Ali was sharing about restoring relationship, and that may, be, that may be a marriage, there may be blurred lines that have kind of, you know, just things that have gone on in the past that have not been able to be reconciled. And so I think God just really wants to, to come and heal, come and touch those. So maybe you want to come up with, with a spouse or, or with the person that, that you're having a difficult relationship, or maybe you just want to come on your own and just receive what he has for you. And I think there are others um, as well that are just waiting for life to start. And that, that is, the invitation is there right now. I think those two things really align. There is an invitation to come and to take part right in this moment. And, um, and you know, I, I don't know whether it's a cultural thing sometimes, but we find it really hard to receive, don't we? We find it really hard to actually accept a favor from somebody. I think he just wants to say, receive, receive, 